chapter 10, verse number 13. Romans 10 and beginning with 13, familiar passage of Scripture. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Esaias saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Familiar passage, familiar passage of Scripture. And um, you've heard it many, many, many times. But I really felt this. It's another one of those messages that I had to just stop during prayer and make some notes and then pick back up and start praying again. Because I felt like God dropped some things into my heart. I feel like God has a direct word for us today. Now, a couple other things before we pray. First of all, I just want to remind you of what I said to the church a few days ago. I believe God's given us victory over every spirit that would try to oppose us in this service, in the church. We've got victory over that. Brother God. It's just a matter of us exercising the authority God's given us. Right? So just understand when you start feeling something trying to drag you down, you've got victory to overcome it. It's just up to you to exercise that authority. The second thing is because I know what I feel and I feel like the devil does not like what's happening and does not like where we're going. Um, I fully expect him to try his best to kind of lock things down. And so I'm calling on a few folks to just become an amen corner today. And when you can tell things are not quite moving the way they ought to, would you just be willing to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to shout amen, hallelujah. I'm just going to go ahead and press through it. And I'm not going to wait on the rest of the congregation. I'm going to lead the way. And we're going to end up in victory today. And I'm just telling you, if God has his way, if God has his way today, we're going to see God do some great things before we leave this house. If God has his way today, we're going to see some great things before we leave this house. Praise God. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your voices, lift your hands. Let's ask God to speak to us today. Everybody, let's talk to the Lord right now. I love you, God. I thank you, God, for your goodness. I thank you for what you put on my heart today. Oh, Lord God, I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint these lips of clay. I ask God that you would help me to feed the flock of God. 
I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would anoint this people. God, let them feel the anointing of God today. God, just as you would anoint a preacher. Let them feel the anointing to respond today. God, I pray, let us operate as one in this service. That the will of the Holy Ghost might be accomplished today. We need your touch in this place. Let the will of God be done before we leave this house. We praise you now. We worship you. Come on, everybody. Let's worship God together. Come on, let's really worship God together. Let's just start off right. Let's start off with victory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. And I just realized I forgot to announce my title. Not that it's all that important, but I'm going to preach to you this morning. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? I want to say to this church this morning that regardless of how desperately we may want to try to please God. The Bible tells us that there is one thing which if we lack, it makes pleasing God an absolute impossibility. We find this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6. Read. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Without faith. Everyone say without faith. It is what? It is what? It is impossible to please Him. Now, we'll come back to this verse in a few moments. Now, I, I, I do want to say this, and I, I thought seriously about just cutting this part out, but I'm going to say it this morning. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it because uh, I'm kind of in a doctrinal mindset anyhow right now with all the stuff that I'm teaching in, in, in Elder Howard's college and Elder Lambeth's college. So I might as well just take a couple of minutes and hit on a little apostolic doctrine while I'm at it. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I just, I just want to tell you that without faith it's impossible to please Him. But I don't want anybody to get the idea that faith is the only thing that is necessary. Well, praise God, that may seem like an unnecessary statement to us, but rest assured there are literally millions of people worldwide who believe that as long as they have faith in God, it doesn't matter how they live, it doesn't matter how they look, it doesn't matter what they do, it doesn't matter if they go to church, don't go to church, believe in God, don't believe in God. It doesn't matter. Men love men and women love women. None of that matters as long as they got faith. Everything's all right. I'm here to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. God does not overlook everything else just because you've got faith. Well, hallelujah. I... I don't want to get too sidetracked on all this, but I do want to just for a moment address this false doctrine that all you need is faith. Amen. First of all, James clearly said you must add works to your faith or else your faith is Dead. Now, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how beneficial dead faith is. 
anything that's dead is of no benefit. So you can have all the faith you want. If your faith is dead, it's not beneficial. Not to you, not to God, not to God's kingdom. Oh, come on, somebody. In fact, James felt so strongly about this, he repeated this statement three times in one chapter. Read for me very quickly, James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yeah, now James 2, 20. But with, what wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? And James 2.26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. I'm just telling you, James made it so clear. He repeated it three times within just a few verses. He wanted the whole world to know you're not going to be saved just because you believe in God. That's not enough to get you to heaven. you got to have more than just simple faith. That faith is a great place to start, but it's a horrible place to stop. Amen. The second thing you got to know is that Jesus was also clear. If you're going to enter the kingdom of God, the only way you can do it is you got to be born of water and of the Spirit. John chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered. Jesus answered verily, verily, or truly, me. truly, I tell you, Except unless a man water, is born of water and of the and Spirit, of the spirit he cannot he enter, cannot into, the enter into the kingdom of God. Look at this. Jesus said, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. There's not a way around this. Jesus said, you're not getting in. I don't care how much faith you've got. If you've not been born of water and born of the Spirit, you're not going to heaven. I can already feel that thing rising up here this morning. Well, praise God. And then, and then just to nail it down, Peter came along and explained what it meant to be born of water and Spirit. And he said it in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, uh -huh. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I in an apostolic church? How in this world did a preacher just read Acts 2.38 and you sat there like a bump on a dill pickle? I think we can do better than that. Try reading that again, Brother Goff. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now that sounds a little more apostolic. Hallelujah. Pray, don't ever let that verse be read and you sit there with your mouth shut. I'm telling you, that's the only way we're going to get into heaven. you got to repent of your sins. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you receive it, you're going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Hallelujah. So, 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 don't ever fall into the trap of thinking that faith is all you need. In fact, I could, you know, between, between uh, John 3, 5, Acts 2, 38, being born of the Spirit, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, and what James said about our works, it's very clear that faith is only the starting place, and you've got to add to that Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and 
those works that prove that you have faith. That is living a godly separated life unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Those things are necessary. But my point in bringing up Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 was not so much for them as it was for us. Because there is another side to the road. And I've seen far too many apostolics fall into that ditch. Well, hallelujah. Now, we're not, we're not, I hope, guilty here today of falling into the ditch that says all you need is faith. But I'm going to tell you the other ditch is that we get this idea that as long as we've obeyed Acts 2.38 and we're doing things okay, we're living the way we ought to, we look right, we're talking right, then we don't have to worry about having faith to believe God for the things he wants us to have. I'm here to declare to the truth church today, amen, what Paul, what, what the apostle said, I believe it was Paul, but anyhow, well, I'm pastor here, so I can say it was Paul. I believe it was Paul that wrote Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Read it again. But without, but faith, without it faith, it is impossible. Listen to me, saints. You get baptized in Jesus' name. You receive the Holy Ghost. You talk in tongues. You live a holy life. But still, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Don't get content in your new birth and think that's all God's asking of you. I'm telling you, he's still looking down at the children of God and he's saying, I want to find faith. Amen. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? God is still looking for people. That will believe him. Are you getting what I'm telling you? And I'm telling you, I felt this that we do get content because we've obeyed Acts 2:38. We've obeyed Hebrews 12:14. Without holiness, no man can see the Lord. We, we, we get content in that. And so then we think we don't really have to trust God for anything. We don't really have to believe God for anything. God's going to be happy because we've been born again and we're living holy. But I do want to point out to you that the book of Hebrews is an epistle. And the epistles are not written to sinners. They're written to saints. He wasn't telling sinners they had to have faith. See how quiet it's getting? He's telling us if we want to be pleasing to God, we're going to have to have faith. Oh, I feel this today. 
Listen to me, truth church. We're going somewhere. You hear me? God's doing something in this place. And we're going somewhere. And God is doing his best to build your faith. It's time we start believing God for all of the wonderful promises that he said he was going to give to us. It's time for us to lift our sights heavenward and quit doubting what God had to say. Help me, Jesus. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pull back on the reins. I gotta, I don't want to jump ahead of myself here. I got, got too much to say yet. Now, 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 now. This verse, this verse. I told you we'd come back to it. I only read part of it a while ago. It's, I want us to look at it because it not only tells us that we must have faith, but it tells us what that faith must entail. It tells us what that faith must encompass. What it must involve. First of all, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Oh, again, I could get so sidetracked right now. And I don't want to because I'm going somewhere. But you do understand he is. He is. Is the, is the third person. Singular. Third person singular. For the phrase, I am. If I'm speaking of myself, I say I am the pastor. If Brother Nelson is speaking of me, he says he is the pastor. So when God identifies himself, he says, I am. But when we identify God, we say, he is. And the writer said the first thing we've got to understand, and the first thing we've got to believe, is that he is. Oh, I can do some preaching right now. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And the word he did not even appear in the original. It's not in the Greek. What he said was, except you believe that I am, you're going to die in your sins. We got to believe that Jesus is the I am that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. He's not Jehovah Junior. He's not the second person in the Godhead. He's the only God that ever was. But, 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 listen, listen. This is not a one God message here. You've got to understand grammatically. That would not be acceptable. Because is, when you conjugate that, it, it comes from to be. That's a linking verb. I don't want to. I don't want to confuse any of you with my 
profundities here. But linking verbs require something at the end. To write properly, you've got to put something after that. Just like we were talking about me, I, if I'm saying I am the pastor, it requires something after M. I am. You are. There's, there's a blank there. Something's got to be connected. And it could be a, a descriptive term. It could be, it could be an adjective. It can, it can describe I am old. I am tired. Uh, it can be a name. It can be a position, a title. But something's got to go there. Unless you're talking about God. And God just leaves it open. I am. What do you need? What are you looking for? What's missing in your life? I am. That's why throughout the Old Testament, as they, they tried to figure out this God, and, and he identified himself as Jehovah, or more, more accurately, Yahweh. That, that literally means he is. And then they would add something on the end. Abraham's on Mount Moriah, and he is needing a sacrifice and he hears the ram caught in a thicket and Abraham turns around and he proclaims Jehovah or Yahweh Jireh which means provider Abraham filled in the blank at that moment that's what Abraham needed was provider David the great shepherd of Israel said in Psalm 23, Jehovah, Rhea, the Lord, my shepherd. And you can find Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is present. And, and Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, my peace. You're filling in the blank. Wherever you go and whatever you need, God is. He didn't limit himself to one thing. And this is what the apostles telling us. The first thing that we as saints of God have got to believe is he's the answer. He is. He is. He is. He is. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know. I don't know. How to, I'm going to tell you how Jesus that's how. Jesus that's how. He is. He is. He is. He is. He is. And, oh, i got to hurry. And, he said, you must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay, now, I've had you up to this point. you got no problem saying, yeah, he's, he's the answer. He's the answer. He's the answer. 
The problem is not in us believing he is the answer. The problem is in believing that he will provide that answer for us. The problem with our faith is that we just don't really believe that God is going to reward us. Not that he's a rewarder of everybody else, but he's a rewarder of whoever will diligently seek him. Not a rewarder of the worthy. Are you with me today? Not a rewarder of the super holy that have to adjust their, their halo before they can walk into the sanctuary. He's a rewarder of anybody that's willing to seek him. If you'll believe he's got the answer and you'll take the time to ask him, you got to just believe God's going to answer when I ask. You got to have that kind of faith in God that whatever I present to him, he's going to do it for me. I've said it and said it and said it and said it. This is what the devil does to us, church. This is what the devil does to us. He tells us God won't do it for you. We we have no doubt he's able. I'm telling you, you rode with me Tuesday night. I preached about an unlimited God. And oh, you're riding with me. You believe that? I don't think that there was a mind in in this building that was questioning whether or not God was unlimited. Everybody knows God's got the power to do whatever he wants to do. The problem's not in believing that he's able. The problem is in believing he's willing to do it for us. Or more specifically, for you. That's where the problem is. That's where many of us lack faith. And yet, Without that kind of faith, you're not going to please God. Now listen to me. I've said it over and over. Somewhere, at some point, we've got to get a revelation that it's not about you. No, see, I get two people saying that's right and everybody else is dead quiet. Because you don't believe what I'm telling you. And that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching. Because you've got to believe this, saints of God. You've got to get a revelation of this. You've got to understand it's not about you. I've told you, but I'm going to tell you again of the story. My pastor preaching in Colorado Springs, preaching faith. And, I, and I'm not at all throwing any stones at anybody, but he preached faith. And there were miracles that happened. But one night there was a sinner man that walked in, drug addict, a, 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 a convict walked in uh, on, a, on a, a, a crutch. And he had one leg several inches shorter than the other. Had to wear a foot brace just to try to keep his balance. But he heard my pastor preach on faith and he walked down to the front and my pastor laid hands on him and and the whole church watched in amazement as that man unbuckled the brace and threw it aside and his leg grew to match the other one that man walked out of the door never lived for God it wasn't about whether the man was worthy it's about whether or not God's going to get any glory
some saints of God would quit letting the devil lie to you. And you just understand God wants to get some glory out of this. My pastor, my pastor to his dying day kept that leg brace hanging on his office wall. You know, and this was, this was the way my pastor did things. He, he said, a lot of men have got deer heads and all that's, that's, that's their trophies. He said, but crutches, he had crutches, leg braces. He said, these are my trophies. These are the things God's done for me. And that's what he wanted hanging on his wall. Hallelujah. I got a few trophies in my office too. I got a little pill bottle sitting, sitting back there in my office from Sister Rebecca. Amen. 24 and a half years ago when she was having seizures. Couldn't even hardly go to school and they wanted to put her in special education. But one night in a service God healed her instantly. And, and that was 24 and a half years ago and she's never had another seizure. I still have that little pill bottle sitting back there in my office. She never had to take another one. Never had to have any more medication. God healed her instantly. I'm telling you saints of God. I'm telling you saints of God. We've got to get a revelation. This kind of faith is what really pleases God. When we get beyond whether we're worthy or not and we just say God I'd sure like to see you get some glory. I'd sure like to see you get some glory. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, 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 hey. We watched it one night. Sister Reba brought a woman in her, her eyes completely swollen shut. She was a bus driver, couldn't work. They'd been that way for weeks. I don't even know how long. Walked into a service one night and came down. They had to lead her down, lead her to a place to sit. She sat down. They led her to the front. The evangelist laid hands on her. I've still got the picture of the shock on her face when in that instant, God healed the swelling in her eyes and her eyes opened wide and she could see she, I think she's been back to church one time since then. It's not about who's worthy. It's about a God that's able to do it. And he wants to do it. Oh, I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I've got so much, so much to say. Stay with me here. Stay with me. Hallelujah. Now. This, this is, this is, and I, and I can kind of feel it starting there when I start saying this is where we struggle in our faith. I feel, oh God, oh God, oh God. I can feel you starting to, you know, and, and look, if, if you're struggling there, if you're struggling there, we'll have pre-service prayer before church tonight. Take it up with God then. Get it worked out then, but not now. Not now, not now. The Word of God wants to work in your life right now. The Word of God wants to work in your life right now, and the Word of God wants to do something. In this service today. So, so, so ride with me. Ride with me. Now, now look. And the other thing I want to tell you is this. You're not the first person to ever struggle with this. And you won't be the last. Let's, let's go back to our text. All right. Let's go back to the text. Romans chapter 10. I want to show you something here. Let's, we're just going to go through these verses here as quickly as I can. This is Bible study time. I mean, I know I'm kind of 
preaching a little bit, but it is Bible study time. So, so, so get your Bibles open, Romans chapter 10. And let's start with verse 13. And, uh, and let's, let's just kind of work our way through these verses here, Romans chapter 10. And verse 13, now, now look at this, read. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, um, if, if you wonder what this verse means, I've got a one-hour Bible study sitting right back there that explains this verse to you. And I've got people that are willing to teach it. And if you can't find somebody willing to teach it, come see me, and I will be more than happy to teach it to you. Um, but don't just think that that means all you got to do is say Jesus because the Bible says that there's going to be many stand before him on the day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord. We've done works in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. And he's going to say, I never knew you. So this doesn't mean that they just spoke his name or they just believed on him. It means something else. But what I do want to say to the rest of us here today is it looks to me like what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is, you know, it's really not that hard to be saved. It's open to anybody. It's not an exclusive club. In spite of what some people out there tell you, this is not a matter of predestination and God's already pre-picked people before they're ever born and, and any, meeny, miny, mo. You are lost, but you can go. That's, 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 that's not the way that it works. Whosoever, it's open to anybody. It's not hard. It's not difficult. It's not a problem. You want to be saved, you can be saved. Paul makes it clear. All right? So, so if you want to be saved, you can be saved. All right, let's read on. Verses 14 and 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh-huh. And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. All right, now, I've got to hurry through this, but, but look, it all boils down to this. Paul says it's really a very easy process. It's not difficult for you to be saved. But again, if, if he was saying in verse 13 that all you got to do is call on the name of the Lord, then verses 14 and 15 don't make any sense at all. Because why do you need a preacher if all you got to do is call on the name of the Lord? But he did say here that, look, you, you can't call on his name unless you've heard about him. And how are you going to hear about him unless you hear from a preacher? And how is he going to preach to you unless God sends him? Or, look, I mean, anybody can preach. The idea here is how is he going to preach the truth to you unless he's sent by God? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So really, it all boils down to this. If you really want to be saved, it's not that hard. Just find you a preacher that's going to preach the truth to you. Not one that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but one that's going to preach the truth. Find a preacher that will tell you the truth. And the truth is not always pleasant. And the truth doesn't always make you feel good. That's, that's why I've never been able to figure out ladies that go to their husbands and say, does this dress make me look fat? Now, thankfully, my wife's never asked me that. And thankfully, if she would have, I'd never would have had to lie to her because I don't see her that way at all. But, but I'm just telling you, I, I don't understand... 
women asking those kinds of questions. Honestly, because I, I had someone ask me a question one time. It was a pretty tough question about a family member. And I said, look, I'm just going to tell you now, don't ask me a question that you don't want a true answer to. If you don't want to know the truth, don't ask. So decide right now because I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you something to make you feel good. I'm going to tell you the truth. Sometimes the truth hurts. And ladies, if that dress makes you look fat, don't expect your husband to lie about it. And husbands, five seconds can kill you. That's not the voice of experience. That's just the voice of a pastor who's had to try to pick up the pieces. All right, look. You need to find a preacher that will tell you the truth. Because I'm going to tell you something. Something a lot of folks don't want to hear. But you will not be saved without a preacher. You won't. You can't. 1 Corinthians one twenty one. read. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased, it God, pleased God by the foolishness, by the foolishness of, preaching of preaching to save them to that save believe. Them that I'm going to tell you, God does not have a plan B. God doesn't have any other option. If you're going to be saved, you're going to listen to a preacher. If you're going to be saved, you're going to hear a preacher. And I'm not really off the topic, so stay with me for a few moments here. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to hear a preacher. Well, hallelujah. It's, it's proven throughout Scripture. It's proven throughout Scripture. You can find it over and over and over and over. That's just the way it worked. The devil's throwing things at me right now. Uh, he's hiding in the wrong spot, I can tell you that. Uh, look, and, and I don't, I'm not going to take time to just preach all of this, but, but, but it's, it's very clear to me, very clear to me, Ethiopian eunuch's riding along in his chariot out in the middle of nowhere, and he's trying his best to understand the Bible on his own. But God speaks to a preacher. And the preacher said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. He had to have a preacher explain it to him before he could be saved. That's Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9. We find a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. He's, he's on his way to persecute the church. A light comes from heaven, knocks him to the ground, blinds him. And a voice speaks to him. He said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. Now get this. Jesus speaks from heaven. Why didn't Jesus say, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost? But he didn't. He said, go find Ananias. Let the preacher tell you how to be saved. Acts chapter 10. You find Cornelius, a Gentile, and he's praying, and an angel appears to him. An angel, can you imagine? Why didn't the angel say, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost? He didn't. The angel said, call for Peter. He's down at the house of Simon a Tanner. 
Let the preacher tell you how to be saved. I'm telling you, this is the plan of God. And if you're going to be saved, you've got to hear the voice of a preacher. Now, now, now. This is further proven from a verse in our text. So we're going back to our text. Still got your Bible open to Romans 10? Romans 10, verse 17. Let's look at this now. So Romans then, 10, 17, read. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Yeah, now, 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 let me tell you something. Faith, remember, remember Hebrews eleven six. 6? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Can't do it. You cannot please God without faith. Now, Paul says, he says that faith comes to us by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So, without faith you can't please God. Faith comes through hearing the word of God. So you cannot please God unless you hear the word of God. It didn't say faith comes by reading. In fact, I'm going to prove something to you. Just hang on a minute. I'm going to prove something to you. But I'm going to make this statement. Faith comes when you hear a preacher preaching to you. As simple, as simple as all of this was in this passage. Paul said, all you got to do is call the name of the Lord. Find you a good preacher. Let him preach to you. As simple as all of that was. And as powerful as Paul's ministry was. Yet, it's clear that many still were not saved. Even under the powerful ministry of Paul. Now, we skipped over. Maybe you noticed verse 16. So let's back up. Look at verse 16. Let's see what it says. But they have not all, all right. obeyed now, the gospel. Now let's just stop right there. They've not all obeyed. So I'm telling you, as easy as it is, just, just, just find you a preacher to tell you the truth. Do what they tell you to do. That's, it's as easy as that. Yet he said not everybody will do it. It's not that hard to be saved. And yet not everybody will. Why? Why won't they be saved, Paul? Well, keep reading. For Isaiah said, because Isaiah said, who hath believed Lord, our report? Who has believed our report? The simple reason that these people did not receive what they needed, which in this case was salvation, was because they rejected the preacher's report. Somebody help me now for the next few minutes. I'm finally about to get to the main point of my message today. Amen. In order to do so, let me point something out to you. Right here, right here in verse 16. Amen. And verse 17, we see something that unfortunately the King James translators put into two different words. But in the Greek, it's the very same word. Amen. What we find here in verse 16, who hath believed our report? The word report is the same Greek word as what was translated in verse 17 as hearing. 
So let me go back and give you the Riggin revised version of Romans 10 verses 16 and 17. Here's what it says. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by that report. And that report is sent by the utterance of God. The word report is hearing the message that is preached. I'm going to tell you, this is where it comes from. Faith comes when you listen to what the preacher's got to say. When you get in tune with the message that God puts on the heart of the preacher, God starts building the faith in your heart to believe what he said. And then you can receive the promises he wants to give you. Oh, Jesus, help me. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. Amen. But I'm going to tell you, there is a clear divine connection between receiving the report of the preacher and receiving the promise of God. Oh, it got quiet again. Let me prove it to you. There are a number of instances in the scriptures besides this one here that I've given to you in Romans chapter 10. Let me see if I can go through these fairly quickly. One instance is found in John chapter 12. Would you turn there in your Bibles very quickly? John chapter 12. Now, does anybody know in the Bible, where does John chapter 12 appear? This is not a hard question. What? Thank you. Very simple. Everybody should have known that. John chapter 12 comes after John chapter 11. Thank you. It's not a hard question. Now, here's a little harder question. Does anybody know what happened in John chapter 11 that was significant? Um, come on, come on. What? Lazarus was called back from the dead. In John chapter 11, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Now we get to John chapter 12. Watch this. John 12, verses 17 to 19, read. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave. Yeah, see, all you had to do was read the scripture on the wall and you'd have guessed the answer. But anyhow, go ahead. And raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for they had heard that he had done this miracle. Uh -huh. The Pharisees, therefore, said unto themselves... Perceive ye how we prevail nothing, and behold, the world is gone after him. Now, now look at this. Here's, can you imagine a man that's been dead for four days is raised from the dead? You know, they could explain away when he stops a funeral procession and, and he touches the casket and the boy gets up because back then they didn't do all the embalming and they didn't do all that. And, and so people could explain it away. Well, he wasn't really dead. You know, you understand? And, and they could just explain away. It wasn't really a miracle. But when he's been in the tomb for four days, and that tomb's been sealed, and he's been wrapped head to toe in grave clothes, and he comes out of there wrapped in those grave clothes, there ain't no question in anybody's mind. This man was dead. But now he's not. This was an obvious miracle. And you'd think the whole world would have said, this is Messiah. But they didn't. They're saying, why are we still not winning against him? What is going on? 
My question is, why are you still fighting against him? But the miracles are not convincing them. Now, let's go on down a few more verses. Down to verse 28 and 29. Look at this. Still in chapter 12. Father, glorify thy name. Uh-huh. Then came there a voice from heaven yes. saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Yeah. The people therefore, the people, therefore that stood that by, stood by and, heard it, and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. He's praying and this voice booms from heaven and they know something supernatural has happened. You'd think that would convince them, right? But it didn't. It did not move any of them to believe he was Messiah. We know that because we get down to verse 34, read. The people answered him, we have heard out of the law that Christ That Christ, forever. which is the, the, the Greek term for Messiah. We've heard that the Messiah abides forever, and yet you're saying. And how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who they, is this Son they, of Man? They still haven't figured it out. So all these miracles they're seeing, and they still are not believing it. All right? Now, skip down. Verses 37, 38. i got to hurry. But though he had done though so he many had miracles done, why, before why, them. Why, why, why are they not believing? Though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believe not on him. Why? That the saying of Isaiah, that the, Isaiah saying the prophet might, of be, Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, which he Lord, spake saying, Lord, who hath believed our report? And to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? John said, I'm going to tell you what's going on around here. No matter the miracles they saw, they had rejected the report of the man of God. They just could not wrap their minds around what the preacher had said. It didn't matter what they saw. It didn't matter what they felt. It didn't matter what was going on. They just could not accept the report that the preacher had delivered to them. Stay with me. Stay with me. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. Uh, another example. Numbers chapter 13. Twelve spies in the land of Canaan. I, I, I don't have time to read all this. I don't have time to read all this. Numbers chapter 13. But, but I need to. Can we do this quick? All right, all right. So, so remind me of that when I start trying to interrupt you and explain things. But, but Numbers chapter 13. Uh, in fact, why don't you turn there, and that way it will help you as well. Numbers 13. Let's start reading verse 28. The 12 spies have sent in the land of Canaan. They've just come home, and now it's time for a report. Is everybody with me? We're preaching about whose report will you believe. Read. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. Now, this is the report of ten of the spies. The people be strong that dwell in the land, cities are walled, very great. Let me just, let me cut to the chase. Let me try to combine a little time here. You're supposed to remind me, but you didn't remind me. That's all right. Don't remind me now. It's too late. So, so look, let me see if I can just cut to the chase here. I, I want you to notice something. They've got no proof. Of what they just said. They have no proof. Nevertheless the people be strong. Where's their evidence of that? They've gone up. They've looked. How can they prove how strong or weak the people are? This is nothing more than their opinion. Right? And? And moreover we saw the children of Anak. Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. We, we went, 
and the cities are walled. Now, again, they saw that, so they can give an eyewitness report. They got ten witnesses, so Israel's obligated to accept that, but they don't really have any proof of that. They didn't have a camera with them. They didn't have their iPhones handy, and so they couldn't take pictures, but still, Israel's kind of obligated to accept that. And they're very great cities. Now, this, this word very here in, in the original, in fact, I'd, because I'm kind of skipping here, the, the, the word strong, where it says the people be strong, um, this, this word actually in the original Hebrew means vehement. These are vehement people. These are, these are people that they're way, way stronger than we are. And um, we, we can't, there's, there's just no way. And then, and then they said, and the, the cities are, are walled, and they're very great. And this word very, um, uh, the, the, the Hebrew lexicon says that this word could also be translated greatly. They're greatly great. And, uh, or, or another word, another, another way to, to say that would be that they are they are. Like massively great. They're just, I mean, we're talking, these, these cities are like indefensible. We can't, there's, there's no hope of getting anywhere with these cities. And again, this is their opinion. They don't know. They've not taken on one of these men. They've not been engaged in one battle with them. This is their opinion. All right? All right, now, read, read, read. And moreover, we saw the children of Adam. And we there. saw all these people there. And the Amalekites dwell. The Amalekites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, the Amorites and the Chigarbites. No, wait, scratch that last one. And, and so all that's there. They, they dwell in the mountains, the Canaanites by the sea and the coast of Jordan. And, and so, so um, some of you didn't catch that last, but you will. Wait till summertime to get out in the field. So, so then skip down to verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, "The men that went up with him said, we, be not we able we're just, we're just, we're just not able. We're not able. There's no way we can't do this. There's no way we can't. What proof do they have? Right. What evidence did they bring with them? It's just their opinion. Because they're stronger than we are. How, how do they know that? Read. And they brought up an evil report of the land. Now, now listen. God called this an evil report." God said, that's evil. Read. That they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, uh -huh. the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up it the inhabitants It eats up thereof. the inhabitants thereof. And, and, and so here it is. Listen, this is what they say. So, look, we try to go through this. It's just going to devour us. So we, we try to pass through it, and the very land's going to devour us. We don't stand a chance. Where are they getting this? No proof. No evidence. Their own fear is talking. Their own opinions talking. Stay with me now. And then read. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. They're, 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 these are big dudes. Read. And we saw, and there we saw giants, the, giants the son of Anak, there. and which come of giants, giants, uh -huh, uh -huh. and we were in our own and sight as grasshoppers. And, 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 so and that, we were in that their they sight. could testify as true that, you know, to us we looked like grasshoppers. But this last statement, so we were in their sight, how do they know? I'm sure they didn't go say, hey, what do you think we look like to you? Now, I'm trying to make a point, church. All of this is just strictly what they've made up. 
It's it, exactly, it's speculation. It's their own fear talking. No evidence, no proof. But then there was another report given. Let's hear the other report. Verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able let's, to let's overcome go, it. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I want you to notice, I'm going to come back to this, but I want you to notice what he said. Let's go up at once and do what? And do what? Do what? Now I want you to make note of that. We're coming back to talk about that here in just a second. Let's go up and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, that sounds like, well, that's, that's his opinion. But no, it's not his opinion. He is telling them this based on a report that had come directly from God to the man of God, Moses. Read Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is what God told Moses. Send thou men that they may Send search men the land of that they can search the land of which Canaan, I which I give to the children of Israel. That's all we need to read right there. This was God's report. I'm giving them this land. This is their land. This belongs to their land. That's why I pointed out to you what Caleb came back and said was not we can go overcome it. He didn't say we can go. We can go and overthrow it. He didn't say we can go and fight against it. He said, let's just go possess it. It's ours. God gave it to us. Let's just go do what God said we can do. He is repeating the report that came from God. Now, he, he did say overcome, but, but he, he did not say overthrow. He did not say we got to fight. He didn't say. He just said, let's just go possess it. It's, it's what God's already told us. This was in the report. And then, if that's not enough, it wasn't just that. But they came back with something else. Let's, let's read verse 27. And they told him they told and him. Said, said, we came into the land into whither land. thou sent us, uh -huh. and surely, surely it floweth with it milk, and milk and honey, and this is the and fruit this, of it. Now look at this. And this is the fruit of it. What is? What is the fruit of it? What are you talking about? Well, all you got to do is read, read back up a little bit. Verse 23. What does verse 23 say? And they came unto the this brook of Eschol. This is while they were over there in Canaan. They came to the brook of Eschol. And cut and down, from, cut down from this. Listen to this. Listen to this. A branch with one, with cluster, one of cluster of grapes. One cluster. Read. And they bear it and between, bear two, it upon between two upon a staff. Can you imagine, Brother Self, a cluster, one cluster of grapes that is so heavy, one man can't even carry it. They've got to wrap it around a staff and put it between two men. Two men are struggling to carry one cluster of grapes. They came back into the camp. They didn't just come with their opinions. They didn't just come with their own fears. They said, look here. Look at what we've got. I want to show you. This is just a sample of what's waiting on us over there. This is just a sample. Let's go, boys. Let's go. It's ours. God gave it to us. They had evidence. 
But the people rejected the report of the man of God. And God postponed it 40 years. And in fact, that generation didn't see it at all. Now, don't get bogged down. I'm going somewhere. I really am trying to bring this thing to a close here. But church, for some time, I've been presenting to you a report. Not a report that I've made up. But a report I've received from God. It's not a report based on my opinions. It's a report based on what God has said and confirmed through multitudes of not only men, but even one woman I've shared with just a handful of folks. Uh, a great, great lady walks with God one day in a really low spot in my life, sitting in the living room with her and her husband. And she began to tell me a vision God gave of what God was going to do. And, and, and I'm just telling you, it, it blew my mind. It was beyond anything I could have ever imagined. God has confirmed it over and over and over. But in spite of the reports that I have delivered, the doubters are saying, well, he's been saying that for 20 years and nothing's any different. And it's not going to be any different this time either. Fear has been screaming. You're entering into territory. You're going to be dealing with things you're not equipped to handle. This promised land is going to devour you. The devil's been hissing. Don't forget your past. You've got so many skeletons in your closet. They're going to get they're going to get exposed if they don't consume you first your flesh has been whispering don't you feel amen that the unworthiness don't you know you don't deserve all the things that he's saying right now you'll probably lose anyhow it's not worth the battle your body's telling you don't you feel those pains I know he said you got your healing but you didn't get any healing or you wouldn't be hurting like you're hurt I'm preaching to somebody who Whose report are you going to believe today? Whose report are you going to believe today? Don't you realize what's going on? Read for me Mark chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. I really am. I'm getting close to being done. Stay with me just a few more minutes. I, I know I still got several verses. I'll go through them as fast as I can if I get there. But, but, but just stay with me a few more minutes. Mark chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. Read. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now what does he mean? What do you mean by this, Jesus? So he comes along and he tells us exactly what he means in verses 14 and 15. Mark 4, verses 14 and 15, read. The sower soweth the word. This is what happens. The word goes forth. The report goes forth. The preacher gets up and says, this is what's happening. The preacher comes to you and tells you, this is what God has done. The word has been sown. But listen to what takes place. Read. 
And there and, are they by the wayside. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they've heard, Satan comes immediately. Immediately. And he takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. I'm here to tell you, some of us need to realize that's why when you get prayed for, suddenly you don't feel good again. You felt it when you got prayed for, but all of a sudden you don't feel it anymore. You know what just happened? The devil just came in and did his best to try to steal that away from you. But somebody's got to rise up and say, oh no devil. Oh no devil. You're not getting this. I believe the report. I'm hanging on to my report. You're not taking this away from me. You're not getting this from me. I believe the report. Come on, church. Come on, church. God wants to build our faith. God wants to build our faith. I'm telling you, I've been, I've been, I've been in prayer. I've been in prayer since last Sunday. Some of you, I really felt like God took care of some things for you. I felt like God solved some problems. God performed some miracles. But then I heard through the week that they're right back again. And I went to God and I said, God, what is going on? What is happening? I know what I felt. I know what took place. I know what the Spirit told me. And I believe God spoke to me and said, tell them they're going to have to get a hold of the report you gave. And they're going to have to hang on to the report. No matter what they're feeling. No matter what it looks like. No matter what the circumstances are. They need to get a hold of the report. They need to get a hold of the report. Whose report are you going to believe today? Whose report are you going to believe today? Oh, Jesus, help me. A few more minutes. A few more minutes. It's time to reject the doubters. To overcome the fear, to rebuke the devil, to crucify the flesh, to ignore the supposed symptoms. Amen. I'm telling you, if you're guilty of listening to the wrong report, amen. One thing you can do to correct it is to recognize, yeah, I may have started listening to doubt, amen, but there is still some faith present or I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be shouting amen right now. There's still somewhere down in there, devil, you didn't get it all. There's still some faith in my heart. Listen to this man. Why don't we do what this man did? Mark 9, 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I Lord, believe. I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. He was just honest. God, I've been struggling. I, I, I'm just going to be honest with you, God. I've been struggling. I've been struggling. I've got some unbelief. But look, he did not neglect the fact that buried under this unbelief somewhere, there is some faith. If there wasn't faith, I wouldn't be here asking. So I'm asking you, God, would you dig through all of this unbelief right now and find that seed of faith and latch on to that and respond? And can I tell you, true church, God did exactly that. And God delivered his son God looked through the unbelief and got a hold of his faith and responded 
Uh, now listen, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm on the last page, the last half of that page. The last thing I really felt to say to this church is we need to get a fresh revelation of all. And we say all. Of all of Hebrews 13 and 8. Simple verse. But I really felt like, I really felt like there's some folks that really only believe two-thirds of it. Read Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. There's some folks only believe two-thirds of that. He's the same yesterday. Oh, you believe the three Hebrew children? You believe Daniel in the lion's den? You believe the stories of Grandma and Grandpa? I'm preaching to you. You believe he's the same yesterday. And I can preach revival till the cows come home. And you'll be on your feet because you believe he's the same forever. He's the same tomorrow. But you kind of skipped something there, didn't you? I mean, you built you a sandwich with nothing but two pieces of bread on it. Where's the meat? The real meat of this sandwich is the part you skipped over. And again, you're not the only person to ever feel this way. Let's go back to the tomb of Lazarus. Jesus arrived. This is before he was resurrected. Look at Martha's yesterday faith. John eleven twenty one. Then said Martha unto then Jesus. Then said Martha unto Jesus. Lord, if thou Lord, hadst if been here, thou hadst brother had been not here. died. Yesterday. If you'd have been here, if you'd have been here a few days ago, I've got no doubt in my mind you could have healed him. And I believe she was telling the absolute truth. I believe yesterday you could have done it. I believe. I believe you were the healer. Had you gotten here then, it would have been all right. She had yesterday faith. And Jesus looked at her and he said, your brother's going to live again. So here's her response. Verse 24. Martha said unto him. Martha said. I know that I know. he shall rise again. He's going to rise again. In the resurrection, in the resurrection at the last resurrection day. At the last day. Tomorrow, another day, it's going to happen. I don't doubt it. Not one bit, Jesus. Resurrection is going to happen. He's not going to stay in that tomb forever. It's coming. I believe it with all my heart. Come on, I'm talking to some folks at Truth Church. I'm talking to folks right here. We watched God heal Rebecca. We watched God heal that bus driver. Some of you were here the Sunday morning. Susie Shaw collapsed in the ladies' restroom and died. We had a nurse visiting that Sunday morning, registered nurse, visiting that Sunday morning. I was trying to lead the service, and they came motioning frantically for me to come to the back. I walked back there, and they pointed into the ladies' room, and there was a crowd already gotten out there before I could get their service. 
had already been going, and I didn't know what was going on. I just told the church, church, I don't know what's going on, but they need me in the back. Let's just pray. Church started praying. I went back there, and they directed me to the ladies' room, and there was Sister Susie laying on the floor, her head bust open, blood pooling up beside her there. Back then, those were metal frame stalls, and uh, eyes rolled back in her head. Her lips were blue. She wasn't breathing. I walked to the door of that restroom and I saw her. That nurse that was there had already gotten to her. She was clearing the crowd. Sister Reber, were you back there that day? She was already clearing the crowd to try to get air. But the look on her face told me everything I needed to know. And so I looked. This was a precious saint of God. That God, I'd knocked on her door. First time I knocked on her door, she slammed the door in my face. She did. She talked about it later. I tried to invite her to church, and she slammed the door in my face. She didn't need me. She didn't need my God. But later she found out she did. And I'm going to tell you, when she came to church... She fell in love with Jesus with everything she had. She sold out every ounce of her being she sold out. In fact, I went to visit her one day in the hospital. I think it was during this same time. Went to visit her one day, which I've just told you the rest of the story. But let me get back to the story. But, but, but let me tell you this. I went to visit her in the hospital, and she was all depressed. And I said, Sister Susie, what's wrong? She said, today's my fast day, and the nurses won't let me fast. I said, Sister Susie, you just had a massive heart attack. You don't need to be fasting. She said, no, today's my fast day. I need to fast. That's the kind of woman she was. But anyhow, I, I saw her back there, and I knew. I knew what was going on. And I, I, I'm just telling you, it just came out of me. I didn't even have time to think. I just stood at the door, raised my hands, and I said, Jesus! And when I did, her eyes rolled back and started focusing, and she drew a breath, and she started breathing again. Well, somebody had already called 911, and they, just about the time she started breathing, they burst in through those front doors, came in with the gurney, and they were loading her up. They got everybody out of the way, loaded her up, and took her off, and that nurse was still there in the floor, same spot, just sitting there staring at me. And when everything was said and done and everybody was quiet, she's just staring at me. And she said, Preacher, I deal with this every day. I'm a registered nurse. I see this every day of my life. I know death when I see it. That woman was dead. I said, She's not now. I'm preaching to Truth Church. We've seen miracles we've seen miracles and you believe yesterday and I preach revival and you believe tomorrow Martha said if you'd have been here it would have happened Martha said he'll live again at the last day. But I love what Jesus' answer to her was. Here's what he said. The very next verse, verse 25, he said, Jesus, said Jesus her, answered and said, I am the resurrection. Not I was the resurrection. And not I will be the resurrection.
Here's what you got to get a revelation of, Martha. I am the resurrection. This is the beauty of it all. Not just yesterday, faith, and not tomorrow, faith, but right now, today, I am the resurrection. Come on, saints of God. This is what's got to happen to the true church. We got to quit putting it off. This is my report to you. God's here now. I'm not preaching next week. I'm not preaching next month. I'm not preaching next year. I'm saying now, now, now. It's time for miracles now. It's time for glory now. It's time for power now. Musicians, come. Come on. Is anybody going to believe my report today? I believe I've come to you with a word from God. Is anybody going to believe my report today? Is anybody going to get a hold of this report today? Oh, hallelujah. 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 